Howdy. Hello, Jake. Well, it's two months away from the presidential election now, Lorenzo. Yeah, I can, I, I can feel it. The, the process, which our founding fathers noted as one of the most dignified tasks the American public holds, continues to today. Roll clip. Well, I heard Biden, uh, who's a loser. I mean, look, Joe never got more than 1%. It's like a child. Sleepy Joe Biden? I don't think so. Okay, fine. Maybe it changed a little. But one aspect that's come to define this heated fall segment of the presidential race is the debates. We have no time to spare, so let's move straight ahead. In this episode, we take an in-depth look at U.S. presidential debates, what their history tells us, and what to expect from the spectacle, which will be Vice President Biden versus President Trump through September and October. This is Pickett. What the heck? <laughs> My weather's in German. <laughs> Wait, give me, give me a second. Welcome to Weather in America, a segment which for new listeners is where we pick a town at random and forecast the weather. If you happen to be the resident of one of these towns, you're in luck. No need to check the weather. Today's town is exciting. Sure. <laughs> it is... Lake Linden, Michigan, a village located in the lovely county of, I'm going to say Houghton. I believe it might be pronounced Houghton, but this might be another Yak Montana moment. Regardless, let's give you the weather. From Monday through the weekend, expect scattered showers, very limited sun, All right. highs in the mid-50s, upper 40s, and lows kind of hovering between the high 30s and low 40s. So... Really great, refreshing weather for someone from the South, but I don't know if it's that enticing for someone from Michigan. Also, if you happen to be in the town this weekend, Jake found that the farmer's market in the Village Park is happening on sun- on Saturday, uh, so there might be some, some great produce or crafts to enjoy. Please note, we are not sponsored by the Lake Linden's Farmer's Market, though if the organizers would like to reach out, we will start mentioning the farmer's market every other sentence. Of course, that's for comedic purposes. There's no way we would ever get a sponsor, let alone the people from Lake Linden Farmer's Market. But what is real is the wonderful produce. Uh, Keep on trying. Anyway, with the start of presidential debates coming up uh, this September, we thought it was time for us to take a look and to talk about them. Whether it's a you're no Jack Kennedy moment or a President Clinton speaking to us through the screen or a Rick Perry oops moment, they go down in history as either a prized moment in the campaign or a terrible disaster. So let's learn. Let's discuss. We have a great guest. Please welcome Alan Schroeder. Uh, My name is Alan Schroeder. I'm a professor emeritus at Northeastern University in Boston. And I got interested in presidential debates because I spent a lot of my career as a television producer and specifically live TV. And I saw that, you know, things can go very wrong sometimes in live TV, that it's a very dangerous uh, way to communicate. There's no safety net. So I was always interested in politics. And when I got to grad school and was looking for things to write about and do my scholarship on, uh, I, I locked on to presidential debates as a mix of both politics and television, which encompassed those two interests. 
Thank you. So to, to kind of lay the foundation of presidential debates, what can you tell us about the history of presidential debates? How did, how did we get to the primetime televised spectacles we see nowadays? Well, presidential debates came into being in 1960 with the Kennedy-Nixon debates. There were four one-hour debates between Kennedy and Nixon and no vice presidential debates. And those were sponsored and uh, promoted by the television networks, the three on-air TV networks, CBS, ABC, and NBC. The uh, result was an enormous interest in the part of the audience. The ratings were record setting for the Nixon-Kennedy debates. And it really sort of showed the power of television in a way that had not been evident up to that point. Now in 1960, the level of 90% homes having televisions had been reached. So it was just the perfect moment to really introduce debates. But those 1960 debates were so powerful that that candidates were terrified to do it again. Uh, And uh, so it didn't happen again until 1976. But in every election since 1976, there has been at least one and usually three debates between the major party nominees. Mm -hmm. So what you talked about there with the the Kennedy-Nixon debate, that's kind of an example of the influence that that these debates can hold over the electorate. So historically and presently, how much sway over the vote would you attribute to these debates? I think it's really difficult to make any conclusive statements about how the debate affected an election. And here's why. There are so many things that happen. You know, the American presidential campaigns go on for almost two years. So by the time you get to the debates, you're really at the end of the line, just before the voting starts. And by then, typically, a lot of voters have already made up their minds and might now in 2020, that number of people who have made up their minds is in the 90 percentiles. So, I mean, you're you're talking about not too many people who haven't already decided. So when we look at debates as an influence on the outcome of elections, it's so hard to separate it out from everything else. I do think that Kennedy benefited a lot from the debates. Uh, He went up against a sitting vice president and Kennedy was only, had only been a senator for Massachusetts at that point. Um, And I think there are some other years, Reagan in 1980 against Jimmy Carter, that was a very helpful debate to him. I think the debates were good for Bill Clinton in 92. I think the first debate especially was really good for Barack Obama in 2008. But can I say that a presidential debate determines the outcome of an election? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So kind of moving up to today, or this upcoming week with the the debates that are uh, impending, how do you suppose the two major candidates are preparing for these significant moments in their respective campaigns? The two candidates in 2020 are preparing very differently. You have Joe Biden doing the traditional debate prep, which is kind of this intense boot camp. They actually pull the candidate off the campaign trail, clear his or her schedule, and do nothing but debate prep. And that consists of reading, which the candidate can do on on his own, but also full-scale mock debates in which they will cast someone to be Trump, they will cast someone to be Chris Wallace, the moderator, and they'll do it in real time, they'll run the whole 90 minutes, they might even start at the, you know, at at, uh, whatever time the actual debate begins. Uh, And then they'll videotape that and critique it and sit down with the candidate and work on whatever needs to be worked on. So 
Biden will do several of those and has been prepping for many weeks now. Trump is doing no prep. He talks about debates with his advisors, but he doesn't do rehearsals and he doesn't think he needs to do any preparation. What do you think his main strengths and weaknesses are coming into the debate? Do you think no prep could be a catastrophic mistake? I think no prep is not a good idea. And this goes all the way back to Nixon and Kennedy. Kennedy prepped, Nixon didn't. And Nixon showed up on that stage and he really was not ready to do what he needed to do there. And over the years, you've seen other candidates who have been averse to prepping or just didn't like to do it. And I think it, it really shows. You know, this is, debating is not something that even candidates who are in the arena do very much of. And for President Trump, who has not debated in four years, you know, he's particularly out of practice. So I think a lot of times politicians, because they're on television all the time, because they're, they're interacting with the press all the time, they're, they're doing rallies, they think that a debate is exactly that. And so all you have to do is show up and do the same thing you always do. But that isn't really the reality of it. You asked me about the strengths and weaknesses of Trump as a as a debater, and it's odd because I think his strength is also his weakness, and that is the unpredictability, that he's willing to do or say pretty much anything, and that makes it extremely difficult for any challenger to know how to prepare for a debate uh, under those circumstances. And I think it also puts the opponent a little bit on edge. You know, if, if you're Trump's opponent, you're probably sort of worrying that he's going to say something really horrible about your wife or your kids or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, I think, that's, I think that is a strength of Trump's, but it's also a weakness because it does not exactly demonstrate the kind of stability and professionalism that people desire in a president. And if you think uh, Trump does go negative, and uh, do you expect Biden to respond also going negative? And if so, would that be a smart idea? I think one of the interesting things in this debate is obviously how Biden responds to this, this very difficult challenge of debating someone like Trump. And I know that's what they're working on in his debate preps. I think they're working to make sure that uh, Biden doesn't get angry or, or lose his temper or blow his top over something that Trump might say to him. Um, I, I think that, that Biden also has to be careful not to be put on the defensive. If all Biden is doing is responding to outrageous things that Trump is saying, then that keeps Biden on the defensive throughout the debate. And that's not the position you want to be in. I think the other challenge for Biden will be not to get too deep into the fact-checking aspect. You know, we know that Trump plays pretty loose with the facts and tends to make a lot of misstatements. So I don't believe that Biden would want to use up his time just correcting those things. Again, that would put him in, into a defensive posture, and that would not be uh, what he wants. Ideally, Biden wants to put Trump on the defensive and make the debate 
a referendum on Trump's record and Trump's response to the coronavirus and the economy and so on and so forth. So I would imagine that there's a lot of strategic thought that's going into the preparations for this debate to make sure that Biden takes the lead and keeps, uh, keeps, keeps Trump on the ropes. Going up against uh, the incumbent Donald Trump, what do you think Biden's main strengths and weaknesses are coming into the debates? Well, of course, Biden has the advantage of having debated recently, having come through the, the primary cycle. We did see in that primary cycle that Biden had some difficulty in the debates. He was not particularly sharp or fluent until he got to the very end when he had the the single one-on-one -on -one with Bernie Sanders at the very end of the process. But up before then, he was uh, really not at his best. And that is, I think, part of why the Trump campaign has created this caricature of Sleepy Joe, doesn't want to come out of the basement, he's too senile to debate. I think they looked at some of those primary performances and thought, well, you know, this guy's not up to it. But what they really should be looking at is the one-on-one -on -one with Bernie Sanders, because of course, one-on-one -on -one is the format between Biden and Trump. As far as Biden's strengths go, I think he has shown in his one-on-one -on -one debates, not just the Sanders, but also his two vice presidentials against Sarah Palin in 08 and against Paul Ryan in 2012, he has shown himself to be very capable as a one-on-one -on -one debater and also very capable of shape-shifting to whatever to, to accommodate whatever the particular demands of the situation are, because he was really different with Sarah Palin than he was with Paul Ryan, and again with Bernie Sanders. And so that's a talent that I think is very valuable in a debate, that you don't just show up and do the same thing you always do. You sort of figure out, like any you know sporting event, what are your competitors' strengths and weaknesses? How can I anticipate and deal with, uh, with those? So moving on from the candidates individually, we were wondering exactly what type of impact coronavirus would have on the debate itself. The only difference the pandemic will have on the debates is superficial. And I think those of us watching on television at home won't even notice. The candidates will be further away from each other than they normally are. The candidates will not shake hands at the beginning of the debate, as is the custom. The moderator will be positioned a little further away than normal. And then the live audience will be very limited this time. It's under 100 people. And so you're not going to have that kind of sense of the, the spectators. Now, in general election, debates, the spectators don't generally uh, participate anyway. It's a big difference between the general election debates and the primary debates, where in the primary debates, the audiences tend to be sort of rowdy and loud and, and hiss and boo and clap and laugh and all that stuff. So we won't see that in the general election debates, but that's okay. That's actually a good thing. It shouldn't be about the people in the studio or in the venue. It should be about the tens of millions of viewers at home. And I think the tens of millions of viewers at home will be watching a debate that looks a lot like other debates that they've seen. Now that we understand the special circumstances which may arise from coronavirus in the debates, uh, we'd like to ask our big question, big broad question we always like to ask our guests, but this time within the certain context of the debates. Uh, so... What, what does he hope we learn? 
Debates are always educational. And to some extent, that's because the American public on the whole does not tend to engage in politics very deeply or even very often. And so even people who haven't been paying attention to the election or the campaign will watch the debate. The debate have the highest ratings of any program of the year after the Super Bowl. In 19, in, uh, I'm sorry, in 2016, the Hillary Clinton-Donald Trump first debate drew a television audience of 84 million and then several millions more streaming. So uh, these things are very, very well watched. And that indicates that even those who don't normally enter into the political arena as consumers are going to be watching this. And so they will learn. They'll learn, they'll learn, I hope, about some of the issues as they get discussed. But the thing that they'll really get a chance to check out are the human beings on the stage. And I always say that debates are like job interviews, that the candidates show up and try to present the best version of themselves that they can in the hope of persuading the boss, in this case, the voters, to hire them. And so the voters do have a big role in this. And I would hope that, it, that things that happen on the debate stage or things that are talked about are just the beginning, that it causes people to go do a little homework on their own, just as if you're the boss in a job interview, you don't just do the interview, you also check out the references and talk to the people that these uh, candidates have worked for and that kind of thing. So I do find debates to be good civic exercises and potentially educational. They can also be very entertaining. And I think this year they'll probably be quite aggressive. So uh, I, I would expect, if anything, with people still stuck indoors uh, in, a, in a number of places and with the, the pandemic having driven us all to our television sets regularly, I would expect a, a really big uh, audience uh, for these Biden and Trump debates. Thanks, of course, to Mr. Schroeder for coming on the show. And we'd also like just to make a quick mention uh, you might be wondering why we're here on your feed on a Monday when we're normally there on a Wednesday. Yeah, and that's because we've got the presidential debates coming up. And, of course, there's going to be a lot of energy, lots of political energy surrounding that. And we wanted to make sure that we had an episode out regarding the debates in the lead-up to the debates. So that's why we're here on a Monday, and we will also be back on Wednesday. And, as always, thank you, our listeners, so much for your continued support and for listening to Picket. If you'd like to stay up to date at the latest developments here at Picket, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Picket Podcast. No space. You know the drill. Also, if you enjoy the show, make sure to rate the podcast in whatever format you listen. And if you like our intro outro music, make sure to check out I Means Love on Spotify or wherever you stream music. And if you'd like to contact us with any questions or comments, you can visit our website at picketpodcast.com. And we'll see you next time on the picket fence with us.